Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch, chop, retrofit. All right, well, uh, Sean, did you hear the, the bad news? Well, it's the bad news, good news. The bad news bears. We, um, we got pulled from Spotify, <laughs> but it's not because of any misinformation. It's because uh, our numbers were too low. We didn't meet the threshold. <laughs> not really. In fact, if you're listening to us on, on Spotify, that didn't make any sense. But this is not a self-loathing podcast. Welcome to Season 10, Episode 14 of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen. So why shouldn't movie buffs... Like us. ...decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is... Death of a Travis Scoundrel. Uh-huh. A.K.A. Travaderci, baby. Uh-huh. A.K.A. Happily Ever Trafter. Uh-huh. And I will be your host. I'm joined here in the shop by my co-host and co-producer, Sean Tonton, the dog who saved Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> A.K.A. A Nightmare, Sean Elm Street, Three Dream Warriors. <laughs> A.K.A. Death of a Chandrel. <laughs> and in our third seat, she still can't hear us. Chop Shop Regulator. Country Music Chella Day, a.k.a. Touch of Eve Chell, a.k.a. Frankenstein's Great Aunt Chelsea. <laughs> uh, thank you for being here and uh, for all of your mm-hmm. hard work and contributions. I do appreciate you. Further description of the show, the tagline says, watch, chop, retrofit, because essentially that's what we do here. We watch older movies, sometimes classic films with iconic actors, and then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts. Although we're not actually in favor of the remake, reboot, sequel dependent cinematic culture, this is more of an exercise in satire and irony. We try to be funny. And sometimes we succeed. That's going to bring us into our first segment this week, which is movie news. And this is where throughout the week or the time period between recordings, we try to pay attention to news stories that deal with the world of cinema and that we think you, the chop shoppers out there, might find interesting. And unfortunately, this week, we do have to start it off with one, two, three RIPs. First, rest in peace and rest in power to Howard Hessman. The hard-rocking DJ on WKRP in Cincinnati passed away at the age of 81. Also, um, he was known for his role, at least one of the teachers on Head of the Class. Was he the first the one first or the one. second yep. one? He was the first one. And he was replaced by like a British dude, right? Hessman died Saturday afternoon from complications related to colon surgery. He was 81 years old. And he was also on One Day at a Time, along with guest appearances on That 70s Show, among others. The Oregon Native was also a a recurring host of SNL. And I found out this week that not only was he from the great state of Oregon, he graduated high school from Silverton High School. That's Silverton, Oregon, my hometown. Nobody I know remembers him because he graduated like a year before my mom was born. So it's a a different generation, but uh, I thought that was a pretty cool connection. Yeah. 
So rest in peace and rest in power to him, as well as Robert Wall, dead at 82, the Tang Soo Do master who acted alongside Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee passes away. In the 1970s, Wall appeared in Way of the Dragon and Enter the Dragon, both starring Lee, who was the most well-renowned martial artist ever. The two men had an iconic and very real fight in Enter the Dragon. Years after the scene was filmed, Wall revealed that Lee had actually broken his ribs. Uh, he died on Sunday in Los Angeles. His family announced in a statement, and they chose not to reveal the cause of death. It's <laughs> from the broken ribs. <laughs> Bruce Lee <laughs> Slow bleeding. <laughs> rest in peace and rest in power to Monica Vitti, star of... Antonioni, yes, Antonioni Masterpieces, dies at 90. Italian actress Monica Vitti, best known internationally for starring in Michelangelo Antonioni's, <laughs> can't say that without laughing, <laughs> Antonioni's, my favorite kind of pasta, uh, breakthrough cinematic trilogy La Ventura, La Notte, and L'Eclisse was as well as in the director's red desert has died she was 90 years old and i couldn't find a cause of death other than the fact that she was 90 uh and so we call that a good run rest in peace and rest in power to the three of them next up jeffrey rush to star as groucho marx in raised eyebrows a new biopic about groucho marx any thoughts on that isn't he a bit old uh, well, I mean, it depends on what point in. I mean, are we doing? You know, this is your life, or what, what was his? What was his game show? Uh, uh, the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> no word on who's going to play Carl. <clears throat> Bob Odenkirk and David Cross reunite for a docu-style cult comedy, Guru Nation, and this is. Interesting. The Better Call Saul star and Arrested Development alum team up with Borat 2 director James Woliner for a new Paramount Plus comedy series. Oh, so it's a series. Okay. Studio Ghibli theme park concept art features Howl's Moving Castle, Mononoke Village, and more. Beloved Japanese animation company Studio Ghibli has I'm going to say it both ways just split in different yes. <laughs> that tracks You're hedging your bets has been working on opening a theme park since 2017 now with the November 1st 2022 opening date coming up fast we're finally getting a look at the concept art for the coming attractions for Ghibli Park in Japan uh, I'm, I'm fucking going Princess Mon you I have going. to you've I have already to. got your tickets I can't believe that hasn't been done yet I mean that that animation house has been around and popular for quite a while now. There's a really good documentary on HBO about him. Uh, is it Never Ending Man? Hayao Miyazaki, Never yeah, Ending yeah, Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you watch it? I don't think I did. It's I good. You'll get a kick out of it. I wonder if like the tram or the, the people movers are going to be like the, the cat bus. Oh, that would be cool. I love it. I just want to go to Mononoke Village. Mm -hmm. Next up, Madam Webb. Dakota Johnson is tapped to play the first superhero in Sony Pictures' universe of Marvel characters. Thoughts, Sean? I mean, okay. Are you familiar with the character Madam Web? Vaguely in that I know that she's like a Spider-Man villainess. Is her first name Charlotte? I don't know. It would make sense, though. <laughs> it would make sense. 
Exclusive. Following the massive success of Spider-Man No Way Home, Sony is looking to expand on its universe of Marvel characters, and sources tell Deadline that Dakota Johnson is in talks to star in the studio's Madam Web with S.J. Clarkson on board to direct the pick. And that is from Deadline. That's some pig. <laughs> Have you seen my pig? Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz and Joey Gordy Levi's Joseph Gordon-Levitt to star in White Knight based on the Jonestown mass murder suicide. I'm a little bit concerned that we might have seen this story too much, though. Yeah, but it's a good one worth yeah. doing well. Uh-huh. And, and uh... I'm assuming that... Uh, Levitt would play Jim Jones, right? Well, maybe I mean, not. Maybe he's like a, maybe he's like a, a Navy SEAL who goes in there no. to save the people. <laughs> and that comes to us from therap.com. And speaking of the rap, that's going to wrap us up on movie news. Do you guys hear a phone ringing? I can't hear anything. That must mean it's time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana. <laughs> Right, you enemies of the state, you got no way out, so here we go. Roseanne's mom on Roseanne was played by Estelle Parsons. Chelsea, your description of Tom Cruise had me laughing. That was a good one. Dom DeLuise did release some cookbooks. He does look just like that one chef, but that chef was Paul Prudhomme, not Pierre. Between the Gabor sisters, that was 6.66 repeating marriages each. That'll do it. I got to the split. See you next step. All right. Thank you, Dana, for that. We do appreciate your hard work and getting back to us. Keep on correcting. And that's going to close the doors on the DOCD for this week, bringing us to the theme of the episode. Now, this, folks, is one that I know that Sean is really excited about. Uh, he's been chomping at the bit to talk about this ever since it was put on the calendar in celebration of her birth date on February 6th, when this goes kerplunk. We're talking about the films of Zsa Zsa Gabor. Zsa Zsa Gabor. Tell us why you were so eager to delve into this topic, Sean. <laughs> put me on the spot, why don't you? I was scratching my head as uh -huh. to why this was even on the calendar. It's because it's her birthday. I mean, she's not someone I associate with uh, with film. Right. I, I associate with her being famous for famous sake. And we were saying earlier um, that she kind of invented that. Yeah. Being famous for being famous. And she's, in that sense, kind of the proto-Kardashian. Well, the... Oh, no. Proto-Paris Hilton. Fucking ah, the OG. Give it to her. The OG. Well, when you throw in the Gabor sisters as a mm. collective, then you kind of have that Kardashian kind of collective as well because... Yeah, but the Kardashians wouldn't exist without well, Paris Hilton. Oh, yeah, quick, absolutely. Quick side note, Zsa Zsa Gabor was married to Conrad Hilton, one of her many husbands. Oh. Uh-huh. Nice. So that actually uh, only reinforces your point in this argument. Thank Chelsea. you. They're all in the Illuminati. Yep. Uh, Zsa Zsa Gabor, born Sari Gabor on February Excuse 6th. Excuse me? Sari? S-A-R-I. Okay. Sari Gabor uh, with an accent on the A. C Siri? I'm going to say Siri several times while people are listening to this. Alexa. <laughs> Alexa. Siri. <laughs> um... 
Hungarian-American actress and socialite. Her sisters were actresses Eva and Magda Gabor. She began her stage career in Vienna and was crowned Miss Hungary in 1936. She emigrated from Hungary to the United States in 1941, becoming a sought-after actress with, quote, European flair and style. She was considered to have a personality that exuded charm and grace. Her first film role was a supporting role in Lovely to Look At. She later acted in We're Not Married and played one of the few leading roles in the John Huston-directed film Moulin Rouge from 1952. Huston would later describe her as a, quote, creditable actress. Not credible, but creditable. Ooh. <laughs> Meaning she had a credit in some movies. <laughs> oh my. Wow. Uh, so yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's a little bit more uh, lighthearted than yeah. some of our more recent episodes. Yeah. And let's just have some fun with it. So that's going to bring us to our next segment, which is the Midnight Double Feature. And this is where we go around the panel and we each talk about two movies that are within our category of the week. This week being Zsa Zsa Gabor. And we talk about how they're related to each other and why they would make just a perfect double feature. All right. I've got a couple of uh, Zsa Zsa's films where she actually played a character. This is uh, from 1956. It's called Death of a Scoundrel. Death and, of a Scoundrel. And it's directed by Charles Martin. It stars uh, George Sanders, a British actor. He voiced Shere Khan in The Jungle Book. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, Yvonne DiCarlo, who had her own episode on yes. this very show. And Zsa Zsa Gabor, of course. Sanders plays a Czech refugee named Clementi Sabarin. He's heartbroken and betrayed by his lover and his brother. He sails to New York City. He's going to change his luck. He does manage to become wealthy and successful by being a ruthless, conniving con artist. He uses uh, inside information to rise through the ranks with stock tips and making money left and right. And uh, oh, that's what you mean by Czech refugee. He wrote a lot of checks. <laughs> yeah, he floated checks. Zsa yes. Zsa Gabor is one of the investors, and she's almost as ruthless as he is. Okay. All she cares about is making money. So it was a huge stretch for right. her. <laughs> However, she was gorgeous. Just beautiful in this mm -hmm. film. I, I, uh, very good casting, I guess, for what she did. It wasn't a lot. Um, so it's no surprise Sabrin turns up murdered and the entire film is told from Yvonne DiCarlo's report to the police okay excellent and uh yeah everyone in his life wanted him dead so it's going to be trickier than you'd think to find the real killer but uh yeah Yvonne DiCarlo was the winner in this film right she on. was really good and it's it's kind of like a, a murder mystery but it has that lightheartedness to it because he was really just sticking it to folks left and right I'm sorry what the fuck is a Czech Czechoslovakian <laughs> Czech Republic oh oh I, I get, get it, it. Thank you. Oh, Fucking I'm sorry. ruined it. I'm sorry. I, I, I get I get your joke. So I'm pairing that with Touch of Evil from 1958. This was directed by Orson Welles. Mm -hmm. And it stars Charlton Heston as a Mexican. Yeah. Ooh. Not the only time he would do that. Uh, Janet Leigh. Uh, Orson Welles played the villain in the movie to great effect. Uh, Zsa Zsa Gabor is in it, as well as Marlene Dietrich. Oh, wow. Um, this is a cool movie. If you Once you get over the hump of 
accepting Charlton Heston as a Spaniard. Mm -hmm. A car bomb explodes on the Mexican-U.S. border. Uh, The Mexican drug enforcement agent, uh, played by Charlton Heston, he starts investigating. Uh, He's just recently married to um, Janet Leigh. So, uh, and it's kind of, obviously, since he's Mexican, there's a lot of eyebrows raised about it. He's paired up with, uh, with, uh, American police captain, Hank Quinlan played by Orson Welles. Uh, Vargas begins to suspect that Quinlan and his shady partner played by, uh, Joseph Kalia, they're planning evidence to frame an innocent man and his investigations into their corruption puts him and Janet Lee in jeopardy. Zsa Zsa plays a very small role in this, okay. obviously. I didn't even, she doesn't even come up in the synopsis. All right, so I'll go next. I've got a couple of sequels with cameos of Zsa Zsa playing herself. The first one is one that I rewatched yesterday. I couldn't count it on the movie marathon because back in the day, my sister and I went through all of the nightmare movies, all of the Jason movies, and all of the Halloween movies. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors from 1987, directed by Chuck Russell. It's got a 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a little bit high, but there are some kind of cool special effects in this movie, especially for the time. There's some stop motion stuff, some claymation stuff. Uh, During a hallucinatory incident, young Kristen Parker, played by Patricia Arquette, has her wrist slashed by a dream-stalking monster, Freddy Krueger, played by Robert England. Her mother, mistaking the wounds for a suicide attempt, sends Kristen to a psychiatric ward where she joins a group of similarly troubled teens. One of the doctors there is Nancy Thompson, played by Heather Lagenkamp, who is one of the mainstays. Yeah, she's the original girl. Who had battled Freddy some years before. Nancy senses a potential in Kristen to rid the world of Freddy once and for all. And can I do a spoiler on Nightmare 3? Well, how does Zsa Zsa play into it? Oh, she's a cameo in a dream. Okay. Yeah, she's a, a cameo of herself in a dream. Um, but the reason that uh, that they see uh, potential in Patricia Arquette's character, Kristen, is because she has the ability to pull people into her own dreams. And so then they can team up against Freddy in the dreams. Uh, and that's probably the last of these movies they made, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they yeah. stuck a fork in that franchise. Uh, my second feature is... Another sequel, The Naked Gun Two and a Half, The Smell of Fear from 1991, directed by David Zucker. It's got a a 57% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the title itself is making fun of sequels. And of course, we know that they had a third one. Do you know what that one was called, Chelsea? No, I've never seen these. The third Naked Gun movie was called The Naked Gun 33 and a Third. Lieutenant Frank Drebin, played by Leslie Nielsen, returns from more madcap hijinks in this police procedural spoof. Powerful energy corporations are intent on putting a halt to the eco-friendly plans of Dr. Albert S. Mannheimer, played by Richard Griffiths, the new U.S. energy czar. They scheme to replace Mannheimer with an imposter who will do their bidding. Unfortunately for them, Drebin gets tangled up with their plans while trying to steal back his ex, Priscilla Presley, from her slimy new beau, played by the one-of-a-kind Robert Goulet. 
Uh, and once again, Zsa Gabor shows up in a cameo as herself. So that is going to be my double feature for this week. And Chelsea, are you ready to give us yours? Yeah, no. So I had a really fucking hard time coming up with something. Mm -hmm. So I kind of went on a similar route to you, but it I, is a shallow pool. Well, listen, I've never seen either one of these fucking movies. I'm I'm jumping on your train and stealing mm -hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Warriors 3, uh -huh. only because the song in there is fucking yeah. badass. And then I'm pairing that with Christmas at Pee-wee's Playhouse okay. because she plays Princess Jaja. That is awesome. I completely forgot about uh, that installment in the, the Pee-wee universe, the Pee-weeverse, as we call it. I was like one and two when both of these you were like came out. one two <laughs> buckle my shoe fuck you three, shut the four, fuck up shut the no door. all right so that's gonna wrap us up on the midnight double feature for this week bringing us to our feature segment and this is the recast and this is where we take a predetermined film that we have watched in advance and we talk about it a little bit and then hypothetically recast a few of the main roles with contemporary actors and the first movie is a not so great movie by who i consider to be a great director yeah uh it's directed by john houston it is moulin rouge from 1952 mm -hmm. yeah 1952 this is the third movie to be titled Moulin Rouge, but not the last. No. What were your What was your takeaway, Sean, from this? It's it's my least favorite John Huston movie I've ever seen. Okay. But I did appreciate that the focus was on Toulouse Lautrec, and the artwork of Toulouse Lautrec was very evident in the film and shown beautifully. Uh huh. That's true. And yeah. and the whoever the sketch artist was that they shot over the shoulder mm -hmm. as he's sketching the dancers was an an exceptional artist and they captured that style right yes. beyond that the the short leg effects mm -hmm. were laughable i mean that job should have gone to a little person yeah exactly um i thought that jaja was fine in her role um probably fine a, as a motherfucker appropriately cast i just I, I don't know i was it was it was a really slow movie chelsea any thoughts on this there were aspects of this movie that i found really boring and tedious uh -huh. but there were some that i liked at the time but i'm still left thinking about them and really it's sort of the relationship between him and that girl what oh god i always confuse her who his girlfriend his live-in girlfriend the one he painted and they like fight all the time yeah yeah like Marie? that that dynamic yeah Marie. I, I really found that interesting some of the stuff with like his parents i guess you kind of you were left wanting more okay but yeah, there were aspects that i really really liked cool uh so in 2005 when my lovely wife michelle drink and I went to Paris for the first time. We went and saw the Moulin Rouge. Um, and I was a little bit disappointed. They didn't have any marmalade. Oh, yeah, yeah well. <laughs> All right. So visually exquisite biopic of Toulouse-Lautrec, the crippled painter. That's a little bit unfair. Crippled, that's unfair. Uh, painter whose work perfectly captured the spirit of Bohemian Paris in the naughty 1890s. Portrayed as an embittered loner, he is tormented by his doomed relationship with prostitute Mary Charlet and sympathetic model Miriam. Miriam? 
So the roles that we're going to recast. First, we've got Lautrec played by Jose Ferrer. Mm-hmm. Jose Ferrer. And he is the father of Miguel Ferrer. Uh, Miguel Ferrer. Uh, who's a, a character actor in um, a lot of, lot of TV roles. Then we've got Jane Avril played by Zsa Zsa Gabor, who was 35 at the time. We've got Marie Charlet played by Colette Marchand, from what I can tell, the only actual French person in this movie. Correct. Who was 27 at the time. And then uh, Miriam Hayam, played by Suzanne Flon, um, which is a nice, sweet Mexican custard. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, she was 34 at the time of this movie's production. Chelsea, would you like to go first with your recast of Toulouse-Lautrec? I, I really liked him as a character. Uh-huh. I thought the actor did a really good job. I cannot say his name, so I'm not even going to try. My actor does not have any face value quality, but there's like a certain tone about him. He's super tortured, and but at the same time, is like there's a little bit of him that wants to find hope. Okay. And so somewhere where I saw this, I chose Kieran Culkin just because of his performance in Igby Goes Down. In yeah. Igby goes down. Now mm-hmm. I notoriously confuse the two younger Culkins. Is he the one who's on succession? Yeah, uh, yes. Because I've caught a little bit of succession lately as Michelle's been watching it, and that show's fucked up, man. Yeah. That show's real <laughs> fucked up. I yeah. think he's a great actor. Yeah, he is. He's um far and away better than Oh, absolutely. Macaulay? Is that his name? Mac? Mac. Yeah. All right, good pick, Chelsea. Over to you, Sean. Who is your Henri de Toulouse-Lautrec? Well, whoever remakes this will have to do some trick stuff with special effects. Mm. He's, he's actually like six feet tall. What? But he's and he's about uh, forty-seven years old. He played Salvador Dali in Midnight in Paris. Hmm. He was in the Grand Budapest Hotel. He was in the Darjeeling Limited. Yes, yes. with Adrian Brody. Very nice, sir. I like that. Ooh, I could see. <laughs> I could see a Wes Anderson Moulin Rouge. That would be really good. All right. Well, my I have a very loose theme. I just went with all French actors. My first pick is 47 now. Um, he's also like 5'6", so he's not super tall, not super short. Uh, he's in Déjà Mort, Exils, and Doberman. His name is Romain Dury. Romain Dury is going to be my Toulouse-Lautrec. Whoa! Okay, there we go. <laughs> what happened? It kind of glitched out uh-oh, for a second. Uh-oh, you mean my 20-year-old tablet? They invented this before the iPad. Next, we've got Jane Avril, played by Zsa Zsa Gabor. Chelsea, your pick. I just wanted somebody that was blonde and adorable, much like she was, but also super likable. Yeah, she uh, does have that. Yeah, I went with Brittany Snow. Britney I Snow. like Britney Snow. Pitch, Britney Snow. Pitch Perfect, Hairspray, uh, Prom Night. I am not familiar with her. Yes, you are. If you saw her, you've seen the print the the Pitch Perfect movies. Uh huh. She's the redhead. Okay, I think I know who you're talking about. But she's naturally blonde. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, uh, thank goodness for her. And with an actress who's also in uh, Midnight in Paris. Mm-hmm. She was in Blue is the Warmest Color, mm-hmm. and she was in the French Dispatch. I went with Lea Sadu. Lea Sadu. All right. Uh, and yes, I am doing a Wes Anderson recast. Oh, I called it. Just to spoil it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Since you did. I mean, that is 
that is something that's definitely i think would be in his wheelhouse absolutely this, this topic um my actress is 36 now she's in one of sean's all-time favorite movies <laughs> Blue is the warmest color. <laughs> no time to die. And the French dispatch. Her name is Leah Sadu. Nicely done. Leah Sadu. Next up, we've got the role of Marie Charlet, played by Colette Marchand, who was 27 at the time. And Chelsea, what do you got? Well, obviously you need somebody feisty. So I went with Natalie Dormer. I like Natalie Dormer a lot. Yeah, she's good. Um, I think she first came on my radar in that show, The Tudors. Yes, same. Um, that's yeah. She certainly is feisty too, and she also has the same nose as the actress. Though. Okay, all right. They have that similar, like, kind of. Well, she's she's very easy on the eyes. I think we can agree with that. Sean, who is your pick? I went with an actress who was in uh, Papicha, hmm. The Blessed. And she knows how to rock a uh, moped helmet in the French Dispatch. I went with Lena Kudry. Lena Kudry. She was the co-conspirator in the Student Uprising Revolution. Oh, yeah. Man, that movie was so weird. I really liked it, but it was weird. You know, she played it like she was like 18. She's really 29 years old. Yeah. All right. Well, my pick is 34 now. She was in, and she is French. Uh, she's in Love is the Perfect Crime. Yellow Bird and Standing Tall. His name, her name is Sarah Forestier. Sarah Forestier, F O R E S T I E R. Uh, we got one more, right? Mm-hmm. That is the role of Miriam, Miriam Hayam, played by Suzanne Flan, and she was 34 at the time. Chelsea, what were you thinking about for this role? So she looks very harsh. Like her features mm-hmm. are very harsh. And that's kind of what I had in my head only because I'm in the middle of watching Nightmare Alley. Yeah. So I went with Rooney Mara. Oh. Okay. Who also has very harsh features. In a way. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, they're different, but it's st- it just reminded me. The original actress, she definitely has kind of a pointed face. I don't want to say hatchet face. No, it's it's she's not I'm, I'm not saying she's ugly. That's just I mean, I don't want to say hatchet face. So I won't. I don't agree. I but it's fine. Sean, what do you got? My actress was in The Gifted. Mhm. Margot. Yeah. She can be seen on the Netflix show or movie Teenage Bounty Hunters. Never heard of it. She's also in The French Dispatch. Her name is Angelica Bet Fellini. 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 Is she? I don't a know. Descendant. I've not looked into it. Dana. Well, Fellini's Italian, and you said she's French, right? No. Oh, I, in, I'm doing French. She was in the French Dispatch. Yeah. Ah. Don't, don't cross the streams. <laughs> My actress is 36 now. She's in The Seawall, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, and Arthur, Legend of the Sword. She's the heiress to the Whammo fortune. Her name is Astrid Berger Frisbee. <laughs> and so I think that we're all kind of in, in agreement that uh, this movie was all right. It was it was all right, but it was really slow. It was yeah. it was super tedious to watch. I did not enjoy it in the midst of it. It's very much afterwards where I was like, well, I did kind of enjoy that. I mean, considering that it was set in the naughty 1890s they could have picked up the pace a little bit right right 
All right. So that's going to wrap us up on the first part of our feature segment and bring us to intermission. But not before we say, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some refreshments, darling. And for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Chop Shop Morning Zoo on WCCS 85.5 FM, The Shop, with Travisito, the brew boss, and me, Chelsea, the regulator, where we'll be breaking down the recast of your precious childhood movies. All All morning morning long. And if you can't listen on your toilet or in your car, just search for Cinema Chop Shop on podbean.com. And it came to pass that the Lord Pod saith unto the chop shoppers to go forth, to rate, to review, and to subscribe to Cinema Chop Shop on all of your social media and your podcaster apps. Now it's about time for the holy sacrament of a beer check-in. You too can follow the path to Cinema Chop Shop on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. Everyone, hallelujah! Hallelujah. Praise Jesus! Amen. Well, hello there, all you naughty chop shoppers. So, you like to listen? Oh, you're bad. Wouldn't you also love to see all of our hot pictures and posts on our very own social media? Just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you think you can handle it. This weekend on CCS Wrestling. Woo! If you miss this event, you suck! Woo! It'll be the ultimate recasting extravaganza you have ever seen between the challenger, Trontastic Ron! I'm gonna rip his face off! Woo! And the defending champ, Little Thanos! You ain't got nothing, brother! I can't stop saying woo! It's an actual medical condition! So if you've got a problem with that, we'll see you in Gmail, where you can send us comments, corrections, concerns, and complaints. That's cinemajobshop at gmail.com. Do you need a used movie? Good credit, bad credit, no credit, no problem! Come on down to Wacky Trav's Cinema Chop Shop Blowout Sale. He's He's out out of of his mind. mind! Where we can guarantee you, you'll go home happy. Social security number, criminal background check, and blood sample required. Side effects may include euphoria, hallucinations, and delusions of grandeur. So please remember to watch Watch Chop Retrofit. All right, and we're back. Thank you, Chop Shoppers, for bearing with us during intermission. And, Sean, when we come back from intermission, what do we like to do? Oh, we like to do beer check-ins. A beer check-in. And do we have something? We've got several things. All right, what do we got? I'm starting with a very light West Coast pale ale uh, from Resident Culture. It's called Language of Dreams. Language of Dreams. It's 5.5%, so uh, crushy. Language of Dream Warriors? (laughs) Yeah! It's on theme, guys. It's on theme. (laughs) Similar to a uh, a Sierra Nevada pale. Okay. Quick shout-out to... Brewer Jamie at Seminar Brewing, he was passing through Athens 
Athens, Georgia, that is, and stopped at Creature Comforts and picked me up a six-pack of Tropicalia. Back in the day, was one of my favorite craft beers. Oh, that's not bad. It was very tasty. My point being, thank you, thank you to Jamie for that, but Tropicalia doesn't hold up the way it used to. Oh, really? I think that it was very popular before the haze craze. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also, like, I drank... <clears throat> I drank a Pixels like not very long after that. And I was like, oh, this is just a much better beer. (laughs) But they're also different styles, slightly different styles. True. All right. While we enjoy that, I think that we're going to talk about the 2022 movie marathon, right? Yes. And as of this recording, it is the 35th day of the year. And we're all ahead of the game. I'm on 44. Chelsea? 44. 44 club. I'm on 46 and three quarters. Whatever, you're not in the club. (laughs) I like my sandwich with only two slices of bread. You're not in the club. That's a Mitch Hedberg joke. Rest in peace, rest in power. What is your first check-in this week, Chelsea? Uh, This is thanks to Sean. Okay. I watched The Naked City. What is The Naked City? It's old film noir. Okay. The one where he compared it to Law and Order last week. Dun, dun. Yeah. No, you really do feel like that should happen at the end. It is so fucking good. Okay. I loved it. All right. So what what year are we talking? Uh, 48. 1948, black and white, film noir. Uh, do you remember our Ireland movies episode? The of one course. that had um, O'Hara paired with, was it John Wayne? Or- yeah, the... The Quiet Man. The Quiet Man. All right. Do you remember the old old Irish man mm-hmm. in that film? He plays the head detective. Nice. It's it's really good. It's... Of course I remember our Ireland movies episode. It was on St. Patrick's Day. I remember everything from that day every year. Uh, Chelsea, you were saying it's... I forgot. You liked it, though. You liked it. I loved it. I thought it was so good. I started watching it. I got like 15 minutes in and it was like, don't fucking speak to me. Yeah. Don't talk to me. I have to watch this. I have to be in the right mood for a movie like that. But Same. when I am, it's rabbit hole. Yeah, that was great. All right, over to you, Sean. What's your first check-in? I watched a documentary that's been put out by uh, Discovery Plus, you know, Discovery Channel's new app. Um, Is it, it a? Do they have a channel? Is it a yeah. streaming service? Yeah, Discovery Plus. Yeah. So you discover more. Hmm. It's a doc called Fruitcake Fraud. (laughs) The fraud is it's actually delicious. It is the unbelievable account of a man who embezzled nearly $17 million from a fruitcake bakery in Texas. What the hell? He was their controller. And for several years, because there were no checks and balances, he would write a check to a vendor on the books trash the check and then write another check to his credit card his credit card company to pay off his debts whoa and this goes on for years and years the lavish lifestyle that he and his wife were were living was insane they were taking like weekly private jet trips to Napa Valley they were buying so much stuff from Neiman Marcus that the Neiman Marcus salesperson that was assigned to them told the FBI that she quite frankly ran out of things to sell them no Unfucking believable, um, and all from a fruitcake empire. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. Well, I've got one that is not quite as wild. It's number 38 for me. It's called Gold. <laughs> I love gold. Acapulco gold. This is uh, Gold from 2022. It's a new movie and it is bleak and gut wrenching. Two unnamed drifters stumble across a gigantic gold nugget in the arid Australian wilderness. What could go wrong? Uh, so this is one of those movies where a pretty boy makes themselves ugly in hopes of getting some cred. Uh, it stars Zac Efron. You heard it was this movie was no good. I thought it was okay. Yeah. Uh, they definitely capture the anguish and the isolation and the greed. Of course, the greed. Agreed? Agreed. Agreed. All right. So... Over to you, Chelsea. You've got another one for us, right? Yeah, this is a documentary from 2018. It's called The Bikes of Wrath. The Bikes of Wrath. Yes. Okay. It's these, I think it's four, might be five. One of them's a camera guy, but they're from Australia. Mm -hmm. And they get this idea. They're like, let's recreate this journey from the Grapes of Wrath. But they're like, let's do it on bikes. Okay. So they're traveling from... Australia. To... Um, Oklahoma. <laughs> Doesn't I think the bikes are going? Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> they come from Australia and they start their journey okay. in Oklahoma, Oklahoma to, to California. California. Okay, sorry, gonna... sorry, sorry. You were confusing me. <laughs> uh, so based on the novel by Steinbeck, yeah, right, and also the um, the migrant story during the Dust Bowl. They try to be authentic as they can like in terms of how much money they travel with and what they're going to do to be able to make it across country and they're mm -hmm. they're a little nervous and they they end up in a bunch of these small towns and one of the things i really enjoyed about this documentary especially in our current climate and just the shitty shitty reputation the south has what fucking great people they met and just what, do you consider Oklahoma the South? You get some twangy accents. Mm -hmm. They go into Texas. You definitely hit some of the Southern cultures. And some of them make their politics like known, but not outright, not in your face. Their, their religion known, but again, not in a, you must be this or you're awful. But at the same time, like willing to give their injured friends rides let them stay with them i mean it's just it, it was fucking incredible and it just made me feel so much better about america so were they successful yeah they made it all right and so and they were trying to limit themselves to the means that the people in the original scenario yeah like in terms in terms of how much money they had and how much food that they were traveling with now again they're doing it on bikes so rather did than they adjust for inflation yes they did the bike tires <laughs> <laughs> over to you sean what do you got well i'm gonna jump to another beer this is also from resident culture this is called you know this is a Appropriate for a podcast. Yeah. It's called Crowdsourced Affirmation. Mm. <laughs> I need one of those daily. Uh, this is a hazy pale ale. Uh, this is a five and a quarter percent. So it's another lightweight beer. And another fraction. Lots of fractions in this episode. So I'm going to check in a movie from 2017 that you've seen, Travis. Uh-huh. It's called Wind River. Wind River with um the, the person who people tell me I look like. Yep. So Jeremy I'll, Renner. So here we go. 
These Marvel multiverse movies are getting out of hand. Yes. This one has Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, and Punisher Mm -hmm. as cops and agents shooting up people in the snowy Wyoming outback. Which Punisher? Uh, Bernthal. John Bernthal. Okay. Uh, But the writer and director of the film went on to write Yellowstone. Oh, okay. Yeah, big stretch. (laughs) Yeah, I guess, kind of. uh, Wyoming to Montana, but man, that... That show is making money. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you, you know, he's making bank, but I wasn't impressed with this movie. Have you seen Yellowstone? No, I'm not. Are you interested in watching it? I'm not going to watch Yellowstone. Would you like to watch Yellowstone with me tomorrow? Nope. Okay. Uh, All right. My second pick is going to be number 41. It's House of Gucci. Gucci Bandana, Hannah Montana, 2021. I've never been accused of being a fashionista, and I did not know the story behind the famous brand. I did find the performances very solid, though. Man, there, there's been a lot of drama in these big fashion houses, apparently. Who knew that fashion designers love drama? <laughs> So out of step with their personalities. I mean, like between this and the Versace thing and like Lady Gaga was okay. Jared Leto's performance was good, but he probably could have done it with less makeup. Jeremy Irons, great as always. Al Pacino was just Al Pacino. He at one point says, it was, it was fine. I have no interest in seeing this movie whatsoever. Well, it was on my lovely wife, Michelle's radar for quite some time. And she would ask me on a weekly basis, if not multi-weekly basis, whether or not it had come out on streaming yet. And finally it did. And so Sean, you have one more for us. Okay. Um, in honor of black history month, mm-hmm. criterion has some outstanding selections available. Oh. Uh, reggae in film is one of the collections. Wow. Uh, the other that I'm watching currently is, uh, the films of Melvin Van Peebles. Melvin Van Peebles. And I saw that you checked in a movie from this and it's, is there some blackface? No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, it's the opposite. The film I'm talking about is Watermelon Man. Okay. You're going to have to <laughs> give us more. <laughs> the film starts out with the lead actor who is a black man in whiteface, I guess you'd call oh. it. Oh. Yeah, think of uh, Eddie Murphy's uh, Mr. White sketch that he did Mm -hmm. on SNL. I think he was inspired by this. Uh, What begins is a ludicrous plot. A bigoted white insurance salesman wakes up, turned into a black man. So it's a body switch movie. Not body switch. No, he literally wakes up and he's turned into a black person. Is it the same person? He is the same person. Is it the same same actor? He has the same voice. Yeah, the same actor. He has the same voice. He has the same memories. And his family's freaking out. It, it starts out really stupid. Like, like I was like, oh my God, this is going to be ridiculous. Black like me too. But um, it shapes up to be a very thoughtful social satire of a racist society. Okay. It's a good movie. It's prescient. The thing is, is that this movie is now 52 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad we've gotten past all of these race issues. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, one thing that everybody knows about the United States is that we have resolved all of those issues. Mm-hmm. Everything's chill. Everything's so a whole cool. half century ago. This is such silly trivia. Mm-hmm. All right. So I've got one more and I'm going to do a very spoiler free review of this because you guys are in the midst of watching it. It is 
Nightmare Alley, the 2021 Guillermo del Toro remake of the original, the classic Nightmare Alley. Uh, it's very different than I expected. I tend to avoid trailers and descriptions until I've seen a movie, especially if it's one that seems kind of like it's a, a big movie that should be on my list. Uh, and I did do that with this. Different than I expected, but still quite good. The film is not scary in the traditional sense. However, it is frightening in what it lays bare. And I really can't say anything else about it because you guys haven't finished watching it and our listeners probably haven't as well. All right. So are we good on the 2022 movie marathon? Yep. Mm -hmm. For this week, that is. All right, bringing it to the second part of our feature segment. This is The Recast Continued. Part two, darling. Darling. And this movie is not good, but it's not supposed to be good. Yeah. It's got a like a 19 in Rotten Tomatoes it's or something. It's a parody this of movie 1950s sci-fi. This movie is so much fun. I had way much more fun watching this than I did Moulin Rouge. We're talking about The Queen of Outer Space, originally titled The Queen of the Universe from 1958, directed by Edward Bairns. Uh, it's got a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is unfair. Uh, one of the reviews that I read that I quoted in my review of the movie is that if this was a science fiction movie, it would be terrible, but it's not. It's a parody of science fiction movies, and in that way, it is successful. Astronauts attempt to thwart a plot to destroy Earth when they land on Venus and are captured by angry Amazons. That word is, uh, the word Amazons is kind of problematic. Yeah. It's just a woman, <laughs> a woman planet because years earlier, there was a war started by men and now these American or Earthling astronauts are the only men on the planet. And the planet is ruled by a cruel queen, Yelana. She was played by Lori Mitchell, who was 30 at the time. Uh, and we also have Zsa, Zsa Gabor as Talia, who is one of her kind of ladies in waiting, but also uh, helps the Earthlings to... Um, bring about a change yeah bring about a change and uh her famous line from this movie is i hate that queen <laughs> which she said um her all of her gay friends hated it <laughs> when she said that <laughs> then we also have captain neil patterson neil patterson played by eric fleming who was 33 at the time give me some give me some feedback on your thoughts on this film sean it's indicative of the time you have a lot of by indicative you mean all the dildos yeah well we, you have a lot of va va voom with mm -hmm. the short skirts of the uh, the amazons as they call them in this case it's pronounced ja ja zoom <laughs> and there's one i did a screen grab as i was watching it and sent it to you there are so many phalluses in mm -hmm. one shot no even in like the opening scene it looks like a sex toy factory uh, i mean it's, extravaganza it's like a crazy like a sex toy convention and uh my favorite line and this is as the uh the astronauts are flying through space and the the uh amazons fire some sort of laser blast mm -hmm. that destroys the space it's an station. energy field yeah they, they they destroy the space station and they're shooting at them they get to venus and they try to they see all these women and they try to figure out you know were they the ones that were shooting that blast and the line was even if those women could invent a weapon like that, 
How could they aim it? You know how women drivers are. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> uh, but once again, I think that a lot of this was supposed to be tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Which, for the time, makes it fairly progressive. Yeah. Chelsea? I don't have anything to say. You, you watched uh, this movie enough to formulate an opinion. And do you think that... The queen was fair in her wrath against men, or do you think that Jaja's character Talia was right? Um, I think men are evil, and Jaja was probably just horny. Well, they are the only men on the planet. Oh fuck! And that. when they when they realize that, or when the when the men realize that, she's like, "Oh yes, that's true." The roles that we are recasting, we've got Talia played by Jaja Gabor. We've got Neil Patterson, played by Eric Fleming, and Queen Yolanda, played by Lori Mitchell. And do you want to go first, Chelsea? Yeah. Um, Who is your Jaja, a.k.a. Talia? My actress is probably most known from Deadpool. But the reason I picked her was her picture on IMDb mm-hmm. reminded me of a lot of the photos that Jaja Gabor takes. Like they just they look so glamorous, and she looks so glamorous. But she can also sort of be a little bit more down to earth. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I went with oh, Morena Bakarin. Morena Bakarin. That is Bacarin. great. Yes, that is great. I um I like her a lot. She was good in Deadpool. Mm-hmm. She's also the companion on Firefly mm-hmm. and she is in a recent movie that I talked about last week called Last Looks with Charlie Hunnam and Melly Gibbs. Mm. Nice job. Over to you, Sean. What do you got? Um, I was a 39-year-old actress. She was in a film called uh, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy mm-hmm. in the role of Irina. She played Viper in The Wolverine. That would be the Hugh Jickman vehicle and she's in a film this year called another name her name is svetlana kodchenkova svetlana kodchenkova okay yeah yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's it stands you know it tracks it tracks it does the, the absolutely well i have no theme really for this um my first role is or my first recast is 40 now She's been in several adaptations of Shakespearean movies. She was in O. She was in Hamlet. She was in 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, I know. And Save the Last Dance. Her name is Julia Stiles. <laughs> Julia Stiles. And it is kind of going to tie into my Neil Patterson. Speaking of Neil Patterson, he's our next recast. He was originally played by Eric Fleming, who was 33 at the time. And Chelsea, who is your Captain Patterson? Um, I just wanted to give the ladies something nice to look at, so I went with Zac Efron. Oh, well, don't get him from the movie Gold, because he's not nice no, to no, look No, no, no. I mean, he's normally nice to look at. All right. Over to you, Sean. What do you got? Well, you know, I think about a big, dumb... Uh, American astronaut kind of dude as this guy came off. Uh, I'm with a 42 year old actor. He was in uh, White House Down, uh huh, Foxcatcher, yeah, 21 Jump Street. I'm with Channing Tatum. He's back, baby. Yeah, he's he's recently come back from his hiatus from acting to fill the void, the Tatum void uh, that could only otherwise be filled by um, John Cena. 
my actor for the role of Captain Neil Patterson, originally portrayed by Eric Fleming, is 40 now. He was in Halloween H2O. He was in G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. And he's in the upcoming Guillermo del Toro stop-motion Pinocchio as the voice of Jiminy Cricket. He also dated Julia Stiles while they were filming 10 Things I Hate About You in secret. His name is Joey Gordy Levi's. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is going to be my Captain Neil Patterson. We got one more, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And that is the Queen. The Queen of Outer Space. The Evil Queen. Queen Yolana. Now, we should also point out that she wears a mask throughout the majority of the film, which made recasting her somewhat difficult. But we find out that she's wearing a mask because she is horribly disfigured from radiation from the war that the men raged against uh, whatever. Lori Mitchell played Queen Yolana, and she was 30 at the time. Chelsea, which direction did you go for this one? So I wanted somebody that can be like mean, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, like a little bit funny. So she's a little bit more redeemable. Mm -hmm. Um. I went with Mae Whitman. Mae Whitman. Give me some more context. Uh, Percy being a wallflower, the duff. She's in that show, The Good Girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I like it. Over to you, Sean. What do you got? I'm opening our third beer check in. What? Yeah. This one's called Perception Check. It's also from Resident Culture. We need to check our perception after three of these beers. Well, this one's 8%, so get ready. It's a double IPA. Hold on to your butts. Yep. Crack that bad boy open. So uh, my original actress for Zsa was from Russia. So I'm with another Russian actress. Um, she was in the film Anna in the role of Anna. Mm-hmm. She was in Valerian and the city of yeah. lost gold or whatever the hell nope. that was. I know. I, I don't care. She played the princess in that. And she is currently in a film called Shattered. Her name is Sasha Luss. Sasha Luss. Sasha Luss. L-U-S-S? Yep. All right. So this, like I said, this role was hard to recast because, you know, I usually lean heavily on face Face value. value. And this character is wearing a mask throughout the the majority of the film. Um, And as is usually the case, I pick the roles before I watch the movie. Oh, nice. (laughs) I think this is going to work out because... My actor was in a sci-fi parody called Mars Attacks. She was in Annihilation. And the movie that she's really going to channel for this is going to be Black Swan. Her name is Natalie Portman. Okay. Natalie Portman is going to be the queen of outer space. We talked about the first movie and how there were aspects of it that we liked. And we talked about this movie and there was aspects that we didn't like. But I think that overall, I prefer this film to Moulin Rouge. I prefer this film as entertainment. Yes. Definitely. It was more fun. You're not going to learn watch. anything historical. No, from no. This. no it, but it was a fun film to watch. It's very it's, fun. Yeah. Um, also, they invented the suction cup dildo. <laughs> right. Yes. It's all over the place. Yeah. They're sticking to walls, tables, cabinets. Don't forget the butt plugs. No, there was tons of those as well. 
Speaking of plugs, anything you guys want to plug today? <laughs> Wait, we got to do the battle royale. It's not a battle royale. It's going to be a face-off, face-off competition. We're talking. This is your bonus segment, guys. This is your bonus segment. We're talking the Gabor sisters versus the Baldwin brothers. <laughs> Jesus. Chelsea, I see a look on your face. That means you go first. Well... Didn't Alec Baldwin like recently kill a cinematographer? Mm-hmm. So there you go. You're going Baldwin? Well, yeah, because he fucking killed somebody. Well, the other one will um, make you a born again Christian, and the other one will uh, put you in a biodome. I don't know. Yeah, and I was going to say also, uh, Alec Baldwin berated his own daughter mm-hmm. on voicemail and made her feel like shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a it's pretty- very passive aggressive. Pretty though. vicious takedown. I'm gonna go with the Baldwin brothers. You're going Baldwin. Yep. I'm going uh, I'm going Gabor just because uh, Zsa Zsa's throwing the bullhorns. Side of the devil! <laughs> In this one. Uh, all right, so with that, we wanna wrap things up. Sean, I wanna thank you for all of the facilitating you do and Everything you bring to the table. Anything you want to plug, sir? No plugs this week. Do you know what next week's episode is? It's a watch party. It's a watch party. It's Chelsea's pick. Chelsea's pick for Valentine's Day. What do you got, Chelsea? The Love Witch. The Love Witch. Now, this is a movie that we have talked about before on the show. Yeah. You and I have both seen it. Chelsea, have you seen this? She has not dance? seen it. Oh, so this will be a fresh viewing for you. Do you wanna do you wanna flesh out the movie a little bit? It's a film by Anna Biller. Um, she is a, a director who likes to harken back to the old days of studio lighting and technicolor mm-hmm. coloration. So everything has this very vintage kind of feel to it. And the Love Witch is a I'm not gonna give away the plot. Tune in next week and watch it with us. Watch it with us. And so the main role, the love witch herself in the movie is played by Samantha Robbins. And other than this, one of her big credits is in a movie by this obscure director, Quentin Tarantino. It's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And she plays one of the five victims of the... Uh, Manson family murders and she was living with Sharon Tate at the time her first name is Abigail and she was an heiress to a fortune tell me either her last name or the type of fortune she was set to inherit Abigail Folger Abigail Folger is correct boom nailed it holy shit despite the uh necessary uh help there you really got it how did you know that you're referring to her as a her and you said she lived with sharon tate Mm -hmm. there you go that's all you need that's all you need heiress to the folgers coffee empire sounds like they should have lived in maxwell's house oh all right so that being said We want to plug the podcast itself. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on all of your podcatcher apps. We are hosted online on Cinema Chop Shop, 
www.podbean.com. We are on Twitter at Cinema Chop Shop, Facebook.com slash Cinema Chop Shop, Cinema Chop Shop at gmail.com, Instagram, we are at Cinema Chop Shop. We are also Cinema Chop Shop on Untapped, which is where Chelsea checks in all these sweet beers. And then should you feel the need to watch us or listen to us on YouTube, uh, we are Cinema Chop Shop Podcast on YouTube. I want to thank you, the listeners, the chop shoppers out there. Uh, don't be, don't forget to get your vaccination. Um, even vaccinated people can get COVID-19, but Serena Williams and I can both play tennis. So, uh, otherwise, social distance and wear a mask. And please remember to watch Chop Retrofit. Retrofit.